How you doing, church? You doing, you doing well? You better be doing well. You better be doing well. That's the rules. So, hey, if you're brand new to Fountain Springs, you may not know this, is, is I know there was a day where, where churches just met in a building, and it was just that one building, but we're actually one church, and we have multiple places we meet, and one of them is an awesome place that was there a couple weeks ago at the Rapid City Minimum Unit. It's a local prison. So, fellas at RCMU, we're glad you're in on this. We're, gonna, we're celebrating this. Um, Awesome, awesome what's going on in the prison. Ever wondered if you ever say that before? It's awesome what's going on in the prison because many of you are involved in serving and giving financially, and you put, you put God in prison. It's so awesome. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to walk through the final part of Voices, and if you haven't been here for this series, go online and watch it. We've been talking about the voices that are in your head. Some of you are like, finally, thank you. I need help with this. You've got voices, and you're like, who do I listen to? And and, and we've walked through powerful voices that you must not listen to, uh, voices that will push you into shame and worry and fear. And, and, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about perhaps the most damaging one. It's, it's what I'll call the voice of guilt, or even deeper than that, the voice of condemnation, the voice that tells you you're condemned, what you did, you screwed up, you failed, and you can do nothing about it. It's with you for the rest of your life. And so let me help you understand this a little bit better in just real life, real terms. If you were to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, there's a museum for those of you who like museums. Uh, The title or the name of this museum, the Museum of Failed Products. Now, now, let me me give you context. Uh, The Museum of Failed Products is is housed at at a research agency. And so what they've been doing over the years is a acquiring and putting together literally what looks like a grocery store full of failed products. You're thinking, I want to go here. So the next time you're in Ann Arbor, here you go, family fun. And so you can literally walk down aisle after aisle after aisle of some of the dumbest things ever created. Now, I'll give you a statistic. 90% of the things that hit grocery store shelves fail. They don't work. Things like eggs, that were put into some sort of a waffle format and you're supposed to put it in the toaster, pops out all crumbled like, oops, what happened? There's stuff like that. So let me, give you, let me give you some examples of what's literally on the shelves of this place. One is Diet Pepsi AM. If you don't know what they're trying to do is they think you need a good pop in the morning for breakfast. And so Pepsi literally rebranded a bit and, and no matter where you're from, maybe pop soda, I don't know what you call it, but they're like, you know what? Everyone needs a good Pepsi for breakfast. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. And Try something different. This didn't work. This, this didn't work. Now, now there, there's, there's more. Singles. Then you're like, what, what is this? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Gerber. Gerber, that they produce baby food. Had, a, had this, can you just picture this marketing meeting and, and this product meeting? We're like, you know what? You know what? Adults need baby food. But not just any adult single college students who don't want to make themselves a meal. So no joke, they put together, Gerber, this smart company, decided to put together this baby food and called it adult food, literally single food, and you can have beef burgundy. I don't even want to know what that is. I bet there wasn't any beef really in that. Uh, Just so you know, it didn't work. It's in the Museum of Failed Products. Now perhaps the, the worst one that I don't know really what to do with <clears throat> pet sweat. Some of you are like, finally, finally. Hopefully Safeway is going to start carrying pet sweat. No, they, they won't. Pet sweat uh, failed. 
praise God, it failed. Uh, now, let's make this more personal. I mean, it would be kind of fun to walk through the, the aisles of the Museum of Failed Products. But what about uh, if there were a Museum of Failures, where if you could mentally at least revisit this aisleway supermarket of the failures you've experienced in life? It becomes very personal and pretty heavy. The sad thing is, many of you do this every day. Many of you literally wake up and even go to sleep and dream about it, and you walk the aisles of your failures. You keep track of them. Or maybe some of you feel like they're keeping track of you. The failures that you feel like you cannot overcome, you hope some people don't learn what they are, and these failures in your life, the messes that you've created, the things that that have devastated moments in your life that perhaps have created these mile markers that you'll never forget, those aisleways, many of us walk those aisleways. We walk them and we remember, but not only do we just remember the poor decisions that we've made, we sit in them and reflect on them and let them define us. The sad thing is, There are many of us, in fact, I might argue the majority of us have to fight, combat this voice that says your mess is permanent. The stain it made, you ain't going to clean it up. You're going to be locked into this and you better start being as good as you possibly can so God might one day like you. Here's why I know this is a real conversation. Because unfortunately, there's times that I spend with a person who is nearing the end of their life. And they're processing what's going to happen when they die. And they're asking me, how can they be certain? How can they be sure that when they cross this road, this bridge, whatever you want to call it, how can they be sure that they were good enough? And I, I have to and get to tell them that you're not going to be good enough. That's not what the question is about. That's not what life is about. But frankly, some of you are trying to be good enough. And so that's why as we go in and we, and we process what we are as a church, We've got to revisit something so profound as what do we do with our failures? Do we put them on shelves and reflect on them the rest of our lives and let them condemn us or maybe there's something different? So let me just help us be on the same page. It's a reality that you need to know. Everyone messes up. So both spouses, listen. Everyone messes up. Parents, as you're thinking about your children, everyone messes up. Bosses, employees, students, teachers, listen, uh, whoever you are, everyone messes up. Everyone, 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 uh, everyone. Look look at Romans chapter 3. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. Everyone, I'm just queuing in. I hope you got the everyone by now. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short. All, if you want to know what the original meaning, the original Greek, it means all. We all, every one of us, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us. Now, I know somebody like, even Mother Teresa, uh, even, even like some of our heroes, yes, everyone has fallen short of God's standard because God's standard is perfect. Every one of us has to own that. Now, now, I don't think we're so much caught up in people thinking they're perfect. In fact, I've never met anybody who honestly said that they've never made a mistake. But I've met people over and over and over again who wonder if their mistakes will let them actually meet God someday or if they're condemned. Romans 3.23 says, everyone's messed up. No one's met the standard of God. And this condemnation, this feeling that I'm condemned, there's no hope. It's not a conviction. A conviction is I feel bad about what's happened and I'm guilty. Condemnation says you're never getting out of jail. It's hopeless. Just give up. 
And condemnation, I would say, is a trick of the enemy. It's something that the enemy uses trying to keep you locked in to the decisions that you've made. And you and I, if you're willing to have the conversation, this idea where the Bible says everyone's guilty, none of us meet the standard of God, and we're like, this is literally the most depressing sermon you've ever given, David. Please move on. Uh, But listen, if you want to know why we talk about Jesus so much in this church, He's awesome, but you need to know why he's so awesome. And a part of why you and I talk about this is because you've got to understand is you're not good, you're not as good as God, and you and I do not meet his standard, so there's a problem. Everyone messes up, but listen, everyone, the next one, everyone can overcome. Everyone. Now, some of you are going to have to wrestle with, like, like everyone, everyone, like, there aren't certain sins that lock you out, and, and like, God's super mad at you, and, and holds a grudge against you, and the, the, according to the Bible, everyone, everyone, everyone can have victory, can overcome, but you're going to have to fight and attack and overcome guilt, the voice of guilt. Here's how guilt works. Guilt comes when you've done something wrong. You legitimately have done something wrong. And it knocks on your door until you deal with it. <laughs> it's one of those moments that you dream about, you think about, you experience, and it just knocks on your door reminding you, hey, you messed up. <laughs> and if you don't overcome and deal with that guilt that you have, it will set up camp and turn into condemnation. That guilt will turn into not a conviction that you've done something wrong, but literally entrapment, prison. It will say that you cannot overcome this. You are trapped forever. And it will knock on your door when you go to school when you go to work, when you're in relationships, it will tell you you're not good enough, you can't overcome, you're worthless. That mess you made has become a stain and it's permanent. Romans 3 says that you and I have not met God's standard. So how do we overcome? Can we overcome? Where does the Bible draw us? And watch this. This is in Romans chapter eight. This is so cool. So now there is no condemnation. So now there is no condemnation. This is profound. So no condemnation. You got to at least think about it. It's like, well, okay, I'm listening, David. For those who belong to Christ Jesus, if you think that all religions are the same, you've skipped these verses. And so now there's no condemnation. Yes, like I'm not condemned for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Yes, there's no condemnation. You do not have to be condemned. You do not have to lock into, you messed up, so now try to be good enough. No matter when you pass away, you could walk the rest of your life in freedom, you know, going, I've been forgiven, I'm good to go, I'm not condemned, I'm free. Now, now, Jesus paid that for you. It wasn't that God said, hey, you're guilty? Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna overlook it. The Bible actually says that God is just. So here's what he did. To pay your penalty and mine, Jesus died. It doesn't make sense in the big picture why God would send his one and only son to pay our price. We're like, why didn't he make me pay my price? The reason is, is because you and I can't pay it. But Jesus paid it by dying on the cross. In essence, his death became your freedom. He, his death became life for you and I. So if you're interested, which I hope some of you are, this idea that you don't have to live condemned the rest of your life, Romans chapter 10 tells us an incredible thing. Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord 
If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, you're like, Lord, I don't understand. What does that mean? Lord, he's boss. He's in charge. If you openly declare that Jesus is the ultimate, he's the top guy, he truly is the son of God. If, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you will not be condemned. If I could spend the rest of my entire life trying to help people have a confidence that even though we mess up, even though we do have aisles and aisles and aisles of failures, every one of us, that we do not have to be condemned, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life trying to help people learn that we do not have to be condemned. You can overcome. Have you owned and pressed into the voice of being condemned? Or are you willing to look at and turn your life over to Jesus? The Bible says very clearly that if you believe in Jesus, believe he is who he said he is. He he died for you, rose from the dead for you. Your sins are forgiven. White as snow is what it gets washed away. Every one of us in South Dakota knows what white as snow looks like. You can be forgiven of all your sins. Let me just press into that. I'm not gonna move on fast from this. Every one of your sins, every one of your mess ups, this is not optimism. This is faith. This is true. This is where you can live the rest of today and tomorrow with this confidence going, you know what? I'm not perfect, and I can't fix this. I can't be good enough, but Jesus paid my penalty. If you don't understand this, in essence, put yourself in front of God on judgment day, and God's looking at you and looking at the list, that, the list that you don't want anybody to see, and be like, holy cow. And Jesus stepping in saying, hey, I got him. I paid his price. He doesn't have to pay for this. That's what Jesus did for you.